The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. ago, I think it was, we started a brand new series, and that series is titled Born Identity, right? Which really is a born-again identity. So three weeks back, you know, we went on a journey to discover who we truly are in Christ. You know, what our identity, our true identity is. And what we learned, um, I think last week and the week before, uh, from Pastor T, is that on that journey to discovering who we are, one of the things we really need to be established in is knowing who our God is. Amen? Knowing who Jesus is and knowing his complete redemptive work. Amen? So what we also discovered, uh, well, weeks ago, last week and the week before, was that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, you know, he began to reveal himself to us in, in several ways. You know, in fact, in the book of John, Jesus, he reveals seven redemptive names, which other people call um, I am statements, okay? And I think Pastor Tafari started off and he said, these are seven I am statements, which are seven redemptive names that us as, as, as children of God just need to be established in, in our understanding as well as in our conviction, okay? And so I'm, as a recap, I'm going to take you through what those seven redemptive names or what those I am statements are. You know, we did two last, well, three last, well, three over the last three weeks. And then we're going we're gonna to conclude over next week with the, with the remaining four. And so um, the first one we see in the book of John is Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Amen. He also says, I am the light of the world, which Pastor Tafara went, um, went through two weeks back. So if you didn't w- watch the sermon, I highly encourage you to watch this teaching either on YouTube, Facebook, or um, any one of our social media platforms. Um, Jesus also says, I am the door of the sheep, which was something we covered last week. He also said, I am the resurrection and the life. He also said, I am the good shepherd. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the last, um, I statement that Jesus shared is, I am the true vine. Amen. And so today we're going to be looking at that last I am statement, I am the true vine, which really is found in John 15. Now this is the last recorded I am statement that Jesus made, interestingly, only to his disciples. Amen. And so today we're going to do a bit of a Bible study, because I just like it that way, okay? We're going to do a bit of a Bible study from John 15. We're going to read verses 1 and God willing, go all the way to uh, uh, verse 8. So if you're watching online, I just want to encourage you to get out your Bibles, get out your notepads, write these scriptures down. And even after the sermon, man, search out these scriptures for yourself. Amen. But it's going to be really good. But before we get into the scriptures, I just want to give you a little bit of a context of what specifically was happening when this specific statement was made in John 15. So what we learn in previous chapters, as well as other uh, books of the Bible, is that what had happened is Jesus had, had washed his disciples' feet. Uh, we know that before the statement, Jesus had led his disciples through the final meal. He'd also instituted what we call now the Lord's Supper, which is really just, just Holy Communion. And so now, as he's making his statement, he's now on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where we all know he's going to get re- arrested that night, and the very next day, he's going to be crucified. And so a lot of... A lot of um, 
scholars and, uh, uh, and biblical scholars say that on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, it's very likely that they passed some vineyards. And it's in this setting that Jesus decides to give his disciples an object lesson. Right? He decides to use the natural, the ordinary things around him you know, to really begin to explain some kingdom principles, some kingdom realities. And why does he do this, you're probably asking. Well, guys, Jesus was about to get crucified you know, the next day. Okay? And, and it's very likely that his disciples in that moment were probably anxious. You know, they were probably afraid. Well, they were probably even perplexed, you know, about really what was going to happen next. And so what we see is we see the book of John 15 and even the uh, book of John 16. You know, Jesus writes, Jesus speaks these words as a source of encouragement to his disciples, okay? Really as a source of, of just bringing some form of comfort, but ultimately really in these words that he's about to speak, he's trying to really prepare his disciples for what was to come. And he's also really trying to prepare them to stand when he's gone, okay? So it's with this context in mind, and I really need you to get this, okay? Because these scriptures here were written to comfort. They were written to comfort and bring some form of encouragement to his 11 disciples, okay? Because the other one had actually gone off to betray him, okay? So he's actually walking in this garden, having probably one of the most intimate conversations he's ever had with his disciples, and it's all because he wants to encourage them, okay? Amen. And so we start off in John 15 verse 1. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. And he says, can we read it in the King James Version, please? Can we read it in the King James? We're going to have all the verses in King James. He says, I am the true vine. And he also goes on and he says, my father is the husbandman. Now, other translations of the Bible, when they talk about husbandmen, they're talking, uh, you know, other, other translations say vine dresser, you know, other translations say uh, farmer, and I think the message translation just says gardener, okay? <laughs> and so what Jesus is starting to portray here is he's saying he's the true vine, and his father, in other words, God, God is the vine dresser. You know, God is the one who has the responsibility for providing for the vineyard, you know, for protecting the vineyard, for nourishing the vineyard, ultimately so that the vineyard can produce fruit. Amen. And so, you know, Jesus, right at the beginning of, of John 15, you know, he just, he just gets straight to the point, okay? He says, I am. Man, he gets straight to the point by reestablishing and reemphasizing his deity. He says, I am. And that's the exact same name that God used when he first revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 3. Remember the story? You know, ex, uh, uh, Moses had, had gone to God and, and Moses was asking God, you know, who, who, who should I say that you are? You know, what's your name? And God had responded to Moses saying, tell them, I am who I am. Now that phrase, I am, simply means Yahweh, simply means Jehovah. And so we see right here at the very beginning of John 15, in really in an effort to encourage his disciples, he reestablishes his identity and he uses the exact same name. He says, I am, I am the same great I am. Amen. And then he goes on and he says to his disciples, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And church, what I believe Jesus was saying then to his disciples, and really what I believe Jesus is saying now to us as his disciples, is he's saying, I am your true source. He's saying, I am your real source. 
You know, Jesus is saying, I am your source of nourishment. He's saying, I am your source of sustenance. I am your source of provision. Like a vine is the source of life to the branches. I am the true source of your life. And here he's not talking about any form of life. He's talking about the highest form of life. He's talking about being the source of the God kind of life. Zoe, nothing missing and nothing broken. And so this is so awesome because really, you know, in that one statement alone, what Jesus is, is truly revealing is he's revealing that everything that we need to live a, a fruitful, victorious life is found in him. And, and everything we need, it's not only found in him, but it begins to flow and manifest in our lives by being connected to Jesus, who is the living vine. Amen. Amen. And so he goes on in verse 2, and he says to his disciples, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bear more fruit. Man, this is probably one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted verses in the Bible. And it's sad to say um, that a, a misinterpretation really of G what Jesus was, was trying to communicate to his disciples has led to so many people really having a twisted and warped view about God's true nature. Amen. And so really what we're going to look at is we're going to look at a, a Greek interpretation of some of the key words that Jesus uses in this very passage of scripture, really to understand what Jesus was trying to communicate as he was encouraging his disciples. Amen. Amen. So let's look at, the, well, before, before, I, before we look at these Greek words, um, what we begin to see in this passage of scripture is that Jesus is describing two types of branches. And we're going to see later on in verse 5, he actually begins to tell us that we are the branches, okay? So let's keep that context in mind. Let's look at the, the first kind of branch. You know, he says, every branch in me that bears not fruit, it says he taketh away. You know, I was horrified, absolutely horrified. As I was researching, as I was just um, studying um, on, this, on, on this specific scripture, I came across a biblical scholar, man, an old, like an 18, in the 1800s. And, 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 and he had this to say about, uh, about that same passage of scripture that I've, I'm about to read to you. You know, he said, man, if, we, if we're not bearing fruit, if we're not being productive in life, man, you're wasting space. And guess what? God is going to take you away. You know, God is going to take you home. Church, I want to submit to you that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? And, and the, 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 really, the key to understanding what Jesus is trying to say in these verses is, is, is really looking at that word take away. Okay, that word take away is the Greek word iro, which really in some versions and actually in so many places in the Bible was more commonly translated as to lift up or to pick up. Okay, there are many places where it's translated that way. And I'm just going to give you two of them. Remember the story, you know, of the 10 lepers who'd gone to Jesus to ask for healing? Well, the Bible says they came to Jesus and they lifted up their voices to Jesus, okay? That's the same word, Iro. Remember the story of Lazarus when he died and then Jesus went to his tomb? The story, the Bible says Jesus, um, upon, uh, upon approaching the tomb, it says Jesus lifted up his eyes to the heaven. That's the same Greek word, Iro. Amen. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a city girl, <laughs> okay? I never grew up on a farm. 
Never grew up on a vineyard. In fact, I think I've only visited two vineyards in, in my life. So, so you know, it, it, it challenged me to read scriptures like this because I, I didn't have much context, okay? And so I had to do quite a, quite a bit of research here, okay? So this is really my disclaimer, okay? I'm not an expert at, at, at vine dressing. I'm not an expert, you know, really at farming, but I'm going to try as best as I can really to, to, to paint a picture really of a vineyard setting and to paint a picture of, of, of how a vine dresser really uh, uh, takes care of a vineyard, okay? So, what I, what I learned as I researched is that um, in, a, in a vineyard, you've got, you've got a vine, and then you've got branches attached to the vine, okay? And then, um, what I also learned is that uh, branches, in, a, in and of themselves, they just don't have a, a mechanism really to, um, to support themselves, okay? And so what the, the vine dresser does is he gets, um, or he, he, he constructs support structures, which are commonly known as trellises, okay? And I've actually got a picture up there. Now, if I can ask the media team to just put up a picture, it's, it's slide two, really, of the trellises, if you just put up the picture. And, and, and really, I mean, a trellis is, is simply used to, uh, to support the branches. I quite like this. Doesn't that look, don't those trellises look like a cross? I actually didn't realize it. I'm really seeing it now. Man, that's crosses. Nice one, nice one at the cross. Okay. But um, essentially, these structures are used to, to support the branch, right? So that these branches don't fall to the ground. You know, because when the branches fall to the ground, what happens is they get covered in dirt, they get covered in dust, and so that really can just hinder them, you know, and prevent them from bearing fruit. And so, and so really what happens is when a, when a branch is not bearing fruit, well, what, well the, the most common reason for a branch not bearing fruit is probably because it's actually fallen to the ground. And so what does the vine dresser come? He comes along, he picks up, arrow, that branch, and he puts it back onto the trellis. He puts it back into a position for it to bear fruit. Okay? In the same way, church, in the exact same way, you know, when we are not bearing fruit in life, you know, when we are down and out, when we are wallowing in the dust, when we are living so far below our kingdom potential, well, what does God do? God comes along, he picks us up, and he puts us back in a position where we can begin to bear fruit. Man, God is not going to discount us. God is not going to take us away. God is not going to discount you, and he's not going to disqualify you. He's going to come along when you're down in your depression, when you're down in the dirt, when you're down in, the sh in your shame, when you have forgotten who you are. God's going to come along. He's going to restore you back to your original identity. He's going to restore you back to a place where you can bear fruit. Amen. Amen. And so I'm really here to tell someone this morning, as I, as I was praying, you know, God told me to tell someone here this morning, you may have failed, you may have failed, but let God pick you up this morning by reminding you that you are not a failure. Because really, here's the thing about failure. Here's the thing about failure, church. Failure is an event. Failure is not a person. Failure is not an identity. Failure is not your identity. You may have made a mistake. You know, some of you, some of us, I've made mistakes. But let God pick you up this morning by reminding you that you are not a mistake. You know, many years ago, 
many, many years ago, man. Um, I was um, I was dealing with uh, with rejection. I was struggling with the spirit of rejection, <laughs> and I hated myself. And I thought everyone else hated me, <laughs> and my life was so not fruitful. My life was so stuck because I had forgotten who I was. And God came along in the most beautiful way. And he began to remind me that I am valued, that I am valuable. He began to remind me that I am chosen. He began to remind me that I have a destiny without rival. He began to tell me that I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. And do you know why God, God chose to lift me up in that way? Because our true identity, our true identity church is always higher than our circumstances. And so God elevates us with the gospel of grace. God elevates us with the good news of his goodness so that he can restore us back to our identity. So that he can restore us back to a place where we can produce fruit. Amen. And so church... You know what God is simply saying in this passage of scripture? You know what Jesus was simply encouraging his disciples in this very same scripture? Is that when we are not bearing fruit, when we are down and out, God's going to lift us up. Man, God's going to pick us up. God's always lifting. God's always restoring. In fact, there's a Psalm 145 Verse 14 in the New Living Translation has become my absolute favorite psalm. It says, the Lord helps the fallen. Do you see that? God's going to help you when you are falling down. And the scripture says, he lifts up, arrow, those bent beneath their loads. The Good News Translation puts it this way. It says, God helps those who are in trouble. God's going to help you. If you're in trouble, it says he lifts those who are fallen. And the message translation says he lifts those who are ready to quit. And so I believe Jesus is lifting people up right now. I believe if you're ready to quit, Jesus is giving you a fresh start right now. And so, and so I want to submit to you, let, 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 Jesus, let Jesus remind you this morning of who you truly are. Amen? Because that's going to lift you up. That's going to pick you up. Amen. I'm so sorry for the tears. <laughs> so Jesus continues in John 15 verse 2. And he says, every branch that bears fruit, he purges that it may bear more fruit. So, so Jesus is starting to say, you know, uh, if, 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 you know, once the, the, the vine dresser has picked up, has picked up that branch, it's, it's, you know, it started to bear fruit. There's a process called purging. You know, there's a process called pruning, you know, that God, the vine dresser is going to use so that it can bear more fruit. Now I'm all for more fruit. Okay. So let's, let's see what, what, what the scripture is, is saying to us this morning. Amen. And so the key to understanding what's been said is really that Greek word, um, 
prune or purge. So, so yeah, so New King James says prune. King James says purge. They're one and the same thing. So that word prune, that word purge, is the Greek word katairo, which really means to cleanse, okay? So I'm going to give you a, vi a vine, vine dressing, vine keeper 101. <laughs> and this is, what I, this is what I researched. In the, in the ancient times, um, in Jesus' times, in, in the times when this specific, uh, these specific words were, were written or spoken, what would happen is a vine dresser, you know, he'd, he'd often be seen cleaning the branches um, of, on, 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 attached to a vine. And the reason why he's cleaning those branches is because sometimes there are things like parasites, uh, things like dirt or dust, you know, that might have landed on these branches, you know, that might actually uh, become a weight onto these branches and ultimately might actually just then cause these branches to fall on the ground where they're just, again, going to be hindered from bearing fruit. So what does the vine dresser do? He comes around and he just cleans those branches with water, man, and he does this often because this, the, the, the branches need off, continuous cleansing so that they can bear more fruit, okay? So let's, let, let's keep that in mind because really in the same way, remember this is, Jesus has given an object lesson here, right? Remember, he's the vine. Later on, we're gonna learn that we're the branches. And so in the same way, what God does, our vine dresser does, is he comes along when we're bearing fruit and, 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 he, and, he, and he prunes us, you know? He, he, he purges us, you know? In other words, he, he completely cleans us so that we can bear more fruit. And so now the question you're probably asking is, well, what's this, what's this cleansing process? You know, what's this, what's this cleaning process? And it's so sad, it saddens me how this cleansing process, this cleaning process, this pruning process has been so misunderstood. You know, many people in the body of Christ, sad to say, say this, this pruning is a, you know, the prune, have you heard that phrase? It's the pruning of the Lord, yep. right? They, they, it's, the, it's just the pruning of the Lord, you know, to describe a process that's just painful, you know, where God is cutting us, man, he's slashing us. They say with tragedy, he's cutting us with disease, you know, he's slashing us with cancer. You know, he's pruning of the Lord us, you know, with, with accidents. Yes, you know, if you're bearing fruit, God's going to make sure that you, you know, you bear more fruit by giving you an accident. It's the pruning of the Lord. Man, this is, this, this again, guys, it's a, it's a lie from the very, very bottom pit of the pit of the pits of hell. And, and you know, you know what, the enemy, he's realized that now we kind of are, are getting this game. We kind of, we now have a, an understanding of, you know, that God is good and the devil is bad. And so what has he done? He snuck in and a, a, quite a sneaky, a sneaky, another, another sneaky and another weird doctrine. You know, he started to say, you know what? God's allowing the accidents to happen to you. God's allowing the cancer to happen to you. God's, God's allowing calamity. He's allowing plagues to happen to you. Man, God's not allowing any bad thing to happen to you. God's not allowing any sickness to happen to you. In the same way that I wouldn't allow my daughters to get into a pit full of poisonous snakes. I wouldn't allow my two little girls, my beloved two little girls, to get into a den of hungry lions. God's not allowing nothing. The only thing God's allowing is good things. 
He's allowing health. He's allowing prosperity. Amen. Now, the problem with believing that this is, you know, this, 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 is, this pruning of the Lord is some tragic, some painful process, some, some hectic process, um, is, that, is that, guys, you won't resist these things in your life. You know, Pastor T said something quite powerful. He says, how can you if you think they're from God? You might give God a black eye. And if you don't resist these things from happening in your life, they will not leave you. In fact, the book of James, it says, submit to the truth of the word of God. It says, resist the devil. And when he die, when you do, he will flee from you. Amen. Amen. And so let's, let's read on. Because I think sometimes people get caught up in such weird doctrine because they just don't read on, okay? So let's carry, read, let's carry on reading on to understand how God prunes us, to understand what this pruning, purging, cleansing process really is. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. Okay? It says, Now you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Amen. It says, you are already clean, pruned through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, that word clean is, is, is the Greek word kataros, okay, which is the adjective that's related to the verb that we just read and we just explained um, in verse 2, kataro. Okay, so kataros is the adjective, katairo is the verb. Kataros means to free from impurities. And so it becomes very clear in John 15 verse 3, it becomes absolutely clear that God cleans us. God purges us. How? Through the word that Jesus has spoken unto us. We are cleaned through the word. Not problems, not tragedies, not poverty, not sickness. It's the word and the word alone that God uses to prune us. That God uses to purge us. Why? So that we can bear more fruit. You know, scripture also says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a truth is established. And so let's look at, let's look at three. I'm actually going to throw in three, three witnesses here. The first one we're going to look at is 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. And we're going to look at it in the NLT. That's 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 in the NLT. And this is Apostle Paul speaking here. He says, all scripture, in other words, God's word is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It says it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And then it ends and it says God uses it. God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In other words, the word is what God uses to equip us and help us to be more fruitful. Ephesians 5 verses 25 to 26 in the King James, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, how? With the washing of water by the word. Amen. And then the last witness we're going to have a look at is Psalm 119 verse 9, which says in the King James, it says, How can a man cleanse his way? Kataro, how can a man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Amen. So the word is God's method of pruning us. The word is God's method of, of cleansing us. Man, he doesn't, he doesn't need the devil's help to help us bear more fruit. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. I mean, God, God, we sang that song um, just now. You know, God, God is a good, good father. Man, God is good. And that's not just a slogan. You know, God is good in his nature. God is good in his DNA. Man, God, everything that God does is good. And because he's so good, he uses the word to cleanse us, you know, to bear more fruit. And here I've got to say, the more of the word that we are experiencing our lives, in our lives, um, the more of the, and it's not just any word here, it's the good news of the gospel. For us as New Testament believers, the more of the good news of grace that we're experiencing in our lives, that we're living out in our lives, the more the things that have just been hindering us from being fruitful, you know, really just begin to fall off. You know, the more, we, the more word we're experiencing, the more addictions are just going to fall off. The more bad habits, you know, are going to just fall off of our life. The more um, negative and unproductive emotions such as envy, bitter, jealousy, offense, man, they're just going to fall off, you know, as you're, as, you're, as you're really just abiding in the word. And, and here I've got to say, they're going to fall off so effortlessly. So, so effortlessly. Amen. And, and the more fruit then we'll be able to bear. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus continues. Man, we're, we're almost at verse 4. We're halfway. <laughs> he's just revealed that he's the vine. He's just spoken about how his father is the, the vine dresser who cares for the branch. You know, if, if branches are not bearing fruit, he comes along and he picks them up. If when they begin to bear fruit, he prunes them, he cleanses them. We've established that we are cleansed, we are pruned by the washing of the water of the word so that we can bear more fruit. Well, Jesus then goes on and we're going to read verses 4 to 5. And he says, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Yeah. And then in verse 5, he says, I am the vine. And so we begin to see again here, you know, um, you know, Jesus starting to say again, he is the true source. He is our true supply of life. And then he turns around to his disciples and says, you are the branches. He says, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And I, I really like that progression of fruit. Remember, we started off, you, you can be in a state where there's just no fruit. God comes, picks you up, and then there's fruit. And then you can be in a stage where there's more fruit. And then there's a, there's a state of being called much fruit. You know, there's a state of being where you can have such an abundance of fruit hanging on the branch of your life that you won't even have to argue anyone into the kingdom of God. That you won't even have to say a thing. Because all they need to do is they need to just look at your life and know that something is different about you. <laughs> and then just look at your life and say, what does that person know that I need to know? <laughs> Amen. And that's the purpose of fruit. Because what fruit really is, is fruit is that visible, tangible uh, manifestation on the outside of a believer that Jesus lives on the inside of you. You know, the fruit in your life speaks a much better sermon than you could ever preach. You know, the fruit in your life, when you have fruit in your life, when you have much fruit in your life, that fruit is going to tell your story on your behalf. 
You know, when people are getting retrenched, um, you know, companies are retrenching people, but you're getting promoted, they're going to turn around and say, what are you doing that I'm not doing? You know, when the economy is bad, you know, they're saying companies are liquidating, businesses are liquidating, they're not hiring anyone, but you are getting three job offers, somebody's going to look at you. Someone's going to want to know what you're doing that they are not doing. You know, fruit glorifies God. Fruit points people to Jesus. In fact, fruit leads unbelievers to Jesus. Because how many of you that know that unbelievers, they don't understand tongues. Unbelievers don't understand the gifts of the Spirit. But one thing they cannot deny is a prosperous man or woman. One thing they absolutely cannot deny is when they see someone living a life full of fruit. And they're going to turn around and say to you, can you tell me more? You know, I, I, I remember and I was sharing um, with Pastor T um, this week. I, I work with, uh, I've worked for the past four years uh, with, with a Muslim woman. And, you know, over the past four years, you know, I've just, I, I, haven't, I haven't engaged her in any theological debate. Okay, I, I've chosen not to. I've just let the fruit of, of in my life, the fruit that I'm bearing, speak volumes to her, as well as also the fruit, because our team, it's quite interesting, we're actually all Christians, right? And so over the four years, she's just observed us, full of joy, you know, full of peace. In fact, there was one time she was asking, why are you just so happy? <laughs> why are you always happy, you know? I said, Jesus, you know, and, and she's just observed us, you know, more so last year, you know, when we had a, when we had the global pandemic, we no, 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 no one was getting clients, but we got, we got two clients that never wanted to even give us the time of day. They, they gave us their money. They said, we want to do business with you. So she, she got to observe this fruit. And so last week she calls me and she says, listen, I, man, I, I just need prayer. And you know what she said to me as well? She said, actually, my husband told me to call you. And he said, tell that, to go and make sure that you ask that crazy lady who always has favor in the marketplace, who you always tell me is always like, you know, just amazing things are happening to her. Go and ask specifically for her to pray for you. And so I, I you know, I, I was on the phone. So I said, man, I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. And so I was on the phone and I said, you know, friend, I'm going to pray. But the God that I pray to is the father of Jesus. And I know Jesus always answers prayers. And I just believe that that, that in itself just spoke volumes. And, and I believe that really um, God's helped me to plant a seed that's really just going to, you know, just impact and change and change her life for eternity. Amen. Amen. And so your fruit tells your story. Your fruit leads people to Jesus. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so, you know, um, what Jesus then also goes on in verse 5, really as we, as we start to close, and he says, he says, I am the vine. And then he turns around to his disciples and he says a really peculiar thing. He says, you, you, are, you are branches. <laughs> Come on, someone say, I am a branch. <laughs> he says, all you are is you're simply a branch. You know, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I haven't called you to be the fruit producer. I've called you to be a fruit bearer. I haven't called you to be a fruit originator, to be a fruit generator. I've called you to manifest fruit on the branches of your life. Amen. 
this is such a, this is a truth that we really need to be established in church. We're not called to, to crank up the fruit of healing in our lives. You know, we're not called to crank up the fruit of prosperity in our lives. You know, all we simply need to do to manifest that fruit in our lives is by really by staying connected to Jesus, who is the fruit producer. Amen. Who's the fruit generator. And here I've got to say, you know, we really have the easy part. Because if you think about it, it's the vine that does all the heavy lifting. You know, it's the vine who through the root system has to break into the ground to extract the nutrients, to extract the moisture in the soil so that all of that stuff can be taken up to produce the fruit that the branch simply just needs to bear. <laughs> it's simple. You know, we have a lemon tree and the jury's still out as to who lemon tree that really is, right? When it's not bearing fruit, it's my tree. <laughs> when the lemons start popping, it's his tree. But we have a lemon tree, and, and I've walked around for four years. It's literally in the front of our, our yard. And I have never once seen the branch working up itself to produce fruit. You know, I've never seen a branch sweating and working hard, feverishly, to produce the fruit of joy, to produce the fruit of kindness. No, I've never. I mean, this branch just chills. It just chills and stays connected to the vine, which is the source of life, you know, which is the fruit producer, the fruit generator. Amen. And so it is with you. We are, we are, we are branches. We're simply branches. All you need to do is bear the fruit. Amen. 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 And then um, abide, of course, because this is quite important as we close. Six times in the verses that we've just read, Jesus mentions the word abide. And if Jesus is going to keep mentioning something over and over again, it's because it's really important and we really need to get it. So what's that word abide? What is to abide? Well, that word abide is the Greek word mino, which simply means to stay, to remain, to continue, to enjoy in. And, and really what that word abide begins to paint a picture of, it begins to paint a picture of something that's per of permanency, of, of consistency. That word abide also refers to a place where you are remaining in or dwelling in permanently. Not a place where you're coming in and going out one day and you're coming in and you're going out. Uh -uh. It's not a place that's seasonal. You go in there when it's winter, you're out when it's summer. No, this is a place where you are permanently staying. Amen. And so, and so Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. So what does abide mean practically? Because we are a practical church. What does it mean to abide? You know, because I want to I learn how to abide so that I can begin to produce much fruit, right? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to share with you three, three ways, three practical ways uh, that, that, you know, that, that we've implemented in our own lives that, that really help us to stay connected to the vine, to stay connected to Jesus. Amen. The first one, the pri primary and foundational way that we stay connected to Jesus is really by spending regular time in the Word and letting His Word richly dwell in us. Church, not as a law, not as something that we have to do every day, but really as a, as a grace rhythm, as a grace discipline to, to help us with this desire to know Jesus and to begin to develop a relationship with Jesus. You know, John 1, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. And that word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. And so that means when you're spending time in Jesus, what you're doing is you're spending time in the word. 
Amen. Abiding in Jesus is abiding in the word. Man, abiding in Jesus, hanging out with Jesus is just hanging out in the word. Amen. And the scripture also says, not only must we abide in Jesus, not only must we abide in the word, but we must let the word, we must let Jesus abide in us. Colossians 3 verse 16, it says, let the word of God dwell richly in you. Now, how do you let the word of God dwell richly in you? Simply by believing it, meditating on it, filling your hearts, your minds, your mouths with the word of God and in abundance. Amen. That's really why we've got life groups. So that's probably a story for another day, okay? Um, the, the next, the next um, practical way of, 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 of abiding, and Pastor T shared it very nicely, is just doing the word, following through. Just do it. You know, it's not enough to just hear the word. We absolutely need to be doers of the word too. In the book of James, it says, faith without actions is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is inoperative. Faith without acting on what you believe is useless. The word that we truly know, church, the word that we truly believe in is the word that we're going to do. Okay? And so I think P.T. has a saying. He says, it's not good enough to know that you can walk on water. At some point, if you truly believe that you can walk on water, you're going to have to step out and walk on water. Amen. Amen. And the final one, really as we close, it says through prayer, right? Because pr prayer, 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 isn't a, prayer isn't a monologue. You know, prayer isn't just you like dumping Jesus with all of your grotesque. Prayer is, a, prayer is, a, is communing with Jesus. You know, allowing Jesus to talk to you too, you know, while you talk to Jesus. Man, God wants to, he wants to share a word with you. He wants to encourage you in prayer so that you can bear more fruit. Amen. And so really, as, a, as we close, verse 6, you know, it says, If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burnt. This is a perfect picture, a perfect illustration of what happens when we unplug. You know, what happens when we stop abiding in the, in the vine? Amen? It says, if we stop, we cast forth as a fruit, we're withered. You know, have you ever seen those, those believers who just don't have fruit in their lives? You know, one of the reasons why is because they just have unplugged. They've unplugged from their source of strength. They've unplugged from their source of blessings. And that results in them not bearing fruit. Amen. And then in closing, uh, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Man, that's an added benefit of abiding. Guaranteed answered prayer. And then we close with verse 8. It says, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. You know, barrenness doesn't glorify God. Fruit does. And, and the awesome thing about this fruit is we are not called to generate the fruit in our lives. We're not called to be producers. We're not called to be originators of the fruit. We can't. We can't. We can't. And we were never meant to be. Amen. Our part is really to just remain as a branch, abide in the vine, and really as we position ourselves this way, fruit just begins to manifest in our lives. Get this effortlessly for the world to see. Amen. Amen. Let us stand on our feet. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so when, um, when God began to lift me up, when God began to remind me of who my true identity was when I'd forgotten who I was, you know, he gave me, um, he gave me a, a lot of confessions. And, and those confessions were actually some of the basis of, 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 of the book, uh, Design Your Life with, with Your Words. And so I, I, I want us to boldly declare these things over our lives. You know, I want us to boldly declare who we are in Christ Jesus. Because the truth is we are who God says we are. We are not failures. We are not a mistake. We are exactly who God says we are. Amen. So someone say, I am incredibly valuable and valued. Someone say, I am capable. Someone say, I am significant. Someone say, I am created to succeed. Someone say, I am anointed. And this one, this one, this one shook me to the core. Because I never saw myself as being anointed. And as God began to lift me up, he began to share with me his vision for my life. And as he, as he began to share, man, I did a Gideon. I was like, who? I'm, I can't be that mighty woman of valor. You must be talking to the wrong person. And so I had, to, I had to encourage myself. I had to see myself as anointed. I had to see myself as anointed to do whatever God was calling me to do. I had to see myself and speak this over myself to tell myself, to tell my soul that I am anointed. And so I want to encourage you this morning. You know, God is probably telling you, He's told you that He's anointed you to do big things. And so I'm going to ask you to be bold in your confession. Because when God calls you, He absolutely equips you. Amen. And so I want you to be bold when you say these words. So whatever God has called you to do, maybe He's called you to write books. He's called you to, to uh, plant, uh, you know, to start a church. He's called you to minister. He's told you to start a business. I want you to be bold in that confession, right? So when we say, I am anointed, you're going to be bold in declaring what God has shown you for your life and what God has told you to do. Amen? So we're going to count to three and then we're going to shout it all out. No one's going to hear because everyone else is going to be shouting okay so make sure you shout we make sure you shout okay because you need to hear you you need to prophesy over your own life amen okay so let's one two three and then you shout i'm anointed to teach or whatever you're anointed to do okay whatever god has been speaking to you about you need to shout okay amen so let's go if you're joining us online let's go one two three i am anointed to teach come on say it again one more time one two three I am anointed to preach. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, someone say, I am anointed to change the world. Someone say, I am a success in everything that I put my hands to. Come on, why don't we give God a big shout of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your goodness, that you are a good, good father. Father, we thank you, even this morning, for lifting us up. 
picking us up, restoring us back to our original identity. When we have forgotten who we are, Father, we thank you that the gospel of grace, the gospel of goodness is going to pick us up, is going to lift us up so we can bear fruit. Father, we thank you for much fruit in this place. Father, we thank you for an abundance of fruit in our lives. We won't have to say a thing. Our fruit will do the talking. Father, we thank you for fruit. We thank you that we are the branches and you are the vine. You are our source of life. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the fruit of healing that's flowing in this place this morning. Father, we thank you for the fruit of prosperity that is evident in this place this morning. Father, we thank you for joy. We thank you for refreshing times. We thank you, Father, for the fruit of strength, renewing our strength this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say amen. amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Why not say hi to one, three, or 30 people as you leave? Amen. We love you. God bless. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.